Welcome to the Podiatry Profits Podcast, where you will discover how to get more patients and multiply the profits of your practice with minimally invasive foot surgery, proven marketing systems, and ethical influencing to your patients. And now, your host, board-certified podiatrist, best-selling author, speaker, and founder of TJ On Coaching and Consulting, Dr. TJ On. All right, I'm here with uh, my friend and also our mastermind member, uh, Dr. Trevor Haynes. Um, he practices in the Portland, Oregon, and uh, we met probably two and a half years ago or so now. And um, obviously, uh, we started with the minimally invasive surgery. But again, I'm so happy to have you here, and then we're just going to basically chat and hang out and you know don't worry about editing part we're just gonna kind of let it roll and how are you doing Trevor? Yeah I'm good yeah uh, it sounds good thanks for having me I'm super excited to do it. (laughs) Cool cool cool. (laughs) So yeah tell me you know um, tell me like kind of briefly your current practice setup in Portland Oregon so you know kind of remind me a little bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So currently I have uh, five locations. Um, they're kind of spread all around around the uh, periphery of Portland. Um, uh, kind of hit all the way. Kind of, I, I, my five locations really circle right around downtown Portland. I don't really have anything in downtown. but um, And I, I have an associate. There's myself and an associate doctor. Uh, we're getting ready to bring on a third because... Uh, we just can't cover all the locations. A couple of them are ready to, you know, they're bursting at the seams to open up another day. And uh, both of us don't really have another day to do so. So we'll be bringing on a third. And, uh, you know, things just keep growing. We're not doing anything crazy. We're not doing anything out of the ordinary. I think we just, uh, you know, focus on providing a, a good service to patients and treat them like people. Uh, and, you know, offer them things like minimally invasive, which... Uh, isn't mm. done a lot out here, and uh, things just keep booming, which is great. Yeah, so like, you know, we just spoke briefly uh, before we hit the record button. Um, I really want this podcast really just to uh, be transparent and open and just kind of not really uh, focusing on having like Dr. Face, you know, um, Cause I'm sick and tired of those shit, you know, like we see every, all those poker faces everywhere. And I just want this, uh, our show could, um, different that we're humans, you know, you're a podiatrist, yeah. I'm a podiatrist and we have enough places that we have to, you know, have doctor face on doctor language. And, you know, I, I really see. We're tired, you know, like a lot of podiatrists, I mean, I talk, you know, I talk colleagues, you know, they um, reach out inquiry about Cadaver Lab or my programs, but then I just had like two, um, two session, two calls with uh, two podiatrists today and yesterday. It's the same damn thing. Doesn't matter where they practice. It's like they're hurt, you know, um, Not so much financially, but what I see, it kind of saddens me that, you know, they're burnt out and then they're forced to see 30 to 45 patients a day. And then one lady doctor I just spoke today, she's in Pennsylvania area. She sees like 40 patients a day. She doesn't go home until 8 p.m., you know? Right. Um, Right. Yeah, so... We have we need place where we can vent out too. Just kind of yeah, where we can vent, you know. Yeah. So what what do you see in like you were saying earlier? Uh, what do you see in current healthcare or current podiatry? You know, like what what, what yeah. had you in mind earlier? I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Part of the reason I joined your your mastermind and your minimally invasive was because I felt the same way. I was. Uh, um, you know my my story. Uh, I hired an associate uh, a couple years ago, and it just was a horrible, horrible experience. I mean, I'm not going to lie. She was, or you know, the the, the associate was terrible. Um, you know, my practice is focused on treating people like people, um, and uh, 
that associate didn't do that. And uh, she drove one of my locations into the ground and I'm still trying to recover from it. And just from that, I was at the point where, you know, this is a joke that we're all having to run this rat race. I mean, it's no, it's no surprise that doctors are burned out. It's not because um, I think that we want to see 40 patients. It's because the insurance game, we have to see, four, you know, some feel like they have to see 40 patients in order to be successful. Um, I kind of disagree with that. I mean, my practices, I've got five. Um, we're ready to hire a new doctor. Uh, things are really good. And we average about 17 to 20 a day. That's it. Right. So nice. I think it's a matter of, and, and I don't do anything. Like I said, I don't do anything crazy. I'm not doing anything. I'm not diving into the gray area. I'm not pushing the limits. I'm doing what any other podiatrist does. I'm just making sure that my billing and my coding's correct so that I'm not shortchanging myself. And I've spent a lot of time taking courses and, you know, I made a lot of mistakes in my first year, year and a half on those billing and coding, uh, things. And, uh, I, I figured it out on my own. And, uh, you know, I tell my associate, well, it's your practice uh, that I let him do, and you can run it how you want in, in the matter of treating things. But, you know, you can't just, oh, hey, I got a, I got somebody with plantar fasciitis. Yeah, go get some Voltaren gel off the counter and, and uh, let me know how that goes. It doesn't do <laughs> yeah. anything for your practice, right? And that's kind of what my associate was doing. And, uh, well, I'm not, again, not, not, I wasn't trying to tell this person how to treat their patients, but, you know, a lot of times we get caught up that, uh, you know, we're, we're, I'm really big on this, that people, uh, you know, you go through the, the schooling and the medical school and the residency and it's patient, 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 patient. Yeah. But what about the doctor? Right. right? We're, we're, we're people too. We've got to make a living. We've got to, um, you know, we've got to provide for our families. We and, and medicine is still a business. And I don't know why people seem to forget about it, especially even patients, right? They come in demanding discounts, demanding to negotiate. Um, you know, I had a patient, you know, for example, just really briefly, a patient come in. I saw him in the hospital, uh, non-insured, has a good job, but just doesn't have insurance. And uh, I had to do a toe amputation and... Um, the hospital had their charitable group call me and say, you know, hey, this guy doesn't have insurance. He owes you about $800. Uh, what can you do for him? And I said, nothing, right? I mean, I, I did my work. And they're like, well, can you discount at half price? And I said, if he pays today, I'll, I'll, I'll let it go to like 550 if he pays today. And they're like, there's nothing else you can do. And I said, you know, I basically told this person, well, if he can go to the, the gas station and the grocery store today, and get all of his groceries and his gas for free, and he can prove it to me, then he can come back and I'll give him all of his uh, medical care for free. And they were like, well, that's just unreasonable. And I said, well, then you've got my answer, right? And it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm not trying to be generous. It's that, you know, I provided a service um, and, and I have a business and you discount to everybody and you have to see 40 patients a day to make things work. Right. Right. So um, it's, it's, it really is, and, and that's what it draw, drew me to your model is uh, while I have five locations and it's really hard for me to just jump away from uh, uh, insurance and go to a concierge-type practice, but it's insurance that's burning people out. It's insurance. Yeah. It really yeah, is. It, right. It's really mindset of doctors because it, it's like we're kind of victims in such a way that – the education system, you know, how we learn from our school through the hospital-based residency program. Insurance talks about CPT codes and regulations. I mean, all this, you know, really, before we know it, we get brainwashed. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, again, it's, again, it's saddening to see that when I talk to doctors, they all base their worth of their surgical skills to CPT codes. And then yeah. I'm like, you know, that's a bullshit. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. well, CPT code, if Medicare or other insurance company reimburse for bunion bone surgery $200 down the road, then are you gonna like say, oh, thank you, um, yeah. insurance. Uh, thank you for giving me $200. So that's your yeah. worth now? Right. I mean, well, currently, I mean, 
I was just going to say, take a look at like a toe amputation, right? I mean, I know they got rid of the global for it, but what do you get, $110 to amputate a toe? Oh $120? Yeah, I didn't like, even know. Come on. Yeah, and Bunyan currently like, what, $400 to $500? Yeah, yeah. For Bunyan, 90-day grace period, and you can't even, like, they make it so tricky, you can't even do another foot even without yeah. adding the modifier. I mean, right. I'm so glad I opted out of these insurance no, plans. I, I, I'm yeah. super jealous of you in that aspect. Um, it's, someday I'll get there, but um, uh, yeah, you know, I right mean, now, it's, it's, it's definitely case by case too. And sure. I wouldn't, I, I would not suggest any colleague to opt out of insurance plan overnight. You know, this no. yeah, yeah, yeah. is definitely need to be looked at deep. We need to analyze it. We need to look at the numbers. Nothing we make a decision based on emotion. We have to right. definitely make very solid, logical decision based on data, you know. And right. but after all, I mean, you are very talented. You know, uh, I, I went through a lot of different doctors as a clients, but just some people have that talent in kind of developing more locations and so, so just some get it and some don't in my sure, sure. I, I cannot do it i i tried three locations and then it drove me crazy so yeah you know it does get my, stressful yeah my ideal model for like most doctors i'm helping with is like can you create simple or efficient uh minimum viable first and then you start focusing on developing your niche skills and you know uh, offer and package around that niche skill then you need to learn how to talk to patient about cash pay and concierge type of model then you need to create a marketing around it it's basically three pillars you know the niche yeah. marketing and how to talk to patient to increase patient acceptance Right. Yeah, but however, your your situation, um, I understand. You know, you have you built from like two from nothing to three. Then suddenly now, in, in a couple of years, you're working with together now. Now you're like before I blink my eyes, you're like five locations yeah. now. So yeah, the the last how do you one handle the stress. Do what? How do you handle like stress level? Uh, you know. Uh, I mean, I worked for a hospital before I started in private practice, so that was super busy. Um, I, you know, I went into I, w I went into podiatry, and I would tell everybody this when I get asked, "Why'd you go into podiatry?" And I said, "Because uh, they pretty much work bankers' hours." And up until recently, I've never known what that's like, and and I kept telling myself, "What am I doing? This is not why I went into podiatry." And I don't I don't mean it in the aspect that I'm looking for an easy job. Um, I'm a huge, you know, you know, I have four kids. Um, I like to be at home with my family. I'm, you know, I guess you could say I'm a huge family man. That's the way I grew up. I like to spend time with my kids, enjoy, you know, what they do and, and hanging out with them. And uh, I wanted a profession that would provide for my family, but yet afford me the time to be at home. And, you know, up until, you know, I went into, I worked for a hospital. Um, it wasn't the best situation because we were in South Dakota, which, you know, not a huge, not a huge fan. Mm. Myself. It was super cold. Um, yeah. I, I liked the job, but uh, we just, eh, it just didn't work for us. So we left and I decided to do private practice. And the goal was private practice was it would be tough in the beginning. Then we would grow it and I could actually start to enjoy the life I wanted. Um, however, then I got roped into taking call and then soon it was at two different hospitals. And before you know it, I'm back to working 70, 80 hours a week. Wow. And, uh, until recently, uh, I think December 23rd, I gave both those hospitals, uh, the goodbye that I'm no longer Isn't doing. Nice. Call. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my goodness, it's night and day. My life. I, I feel like I have so much free time. Uh, like even if I work 50 hours a week to me, I just freed up 30 hours a week. So I'm. Uh, life is good right now. Really good. Yeah. How, how how did you feel when you say no to hospital? I just kind of want to dive a little bit deeper in an emotional level. Were yeah, you scared? Um, to yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I want to say, you know, I felt bad because I was kind of leaving them in the dust, but I didn't. I felt great. It felt really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you're not the only one. We we yeah, feel no, like, felt really we feel good. like 
Yeah, we feel like we're the like some reason because we're good people by nature, doctors, podiatrists. So, like, oh my God, if I stop going to hospital or if I opt out of this insurance plan, what am I doing to my patients? Yeah. So the exactly. guilty trip, you know, that guilty trip, that was big mindset shift for me. And for me, it's like shit. You know, I have other colleagues. I can. You know, yeah. I'm not the only podiatrist there. You know, we have other doctors who 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 will be happy to take these patients yeah. for you know for these people. I mean, why do I have to feel guilty? So I was just wondering if you felt. No, you hit it. You hit it right on the head. Right? You you feel that guilt that I'm going to leave all these doctors hanging with these diabetic foot infections and trauma. I'm going to. Um, you know, what these patients that need care where they, you know, if they can't find another podiatrist or, or if it takes a while, who are they going to turn to? And then I, it's just, that's not my problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The and hospitals about, have way more, they have yeah, way more money us? than I do. Figure it yeah, out. What about us? <laughs> yeah. Figure it out. And, you know, and, and, and to preface that I wasn't getting paid for call and I've been doing it for eight years. That's yeah, that's crazy. You are not getting paid for calls for 80 years. Nope. Yeah. But you know, you think about the diabetic foot infections we see and then I, I don't really know, but then think about like an ophthalmologist, right? How many times are they getting called to the ER for something in the eye, right? I, 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 I suspect, I don't know for a fact that it's far less than diabetic foot infections. And yet they're getting five, $600 a night, depending on where you live. And they're like, yeah, podiatry, you don't need anything. You're good. Yeah, that's it's ridiculous, right? And and the uh, hospitals do kind of, you know, it's they're like the insurances almost. They try to make you feel guilty that you're walking away from them, right? Yeah. And uh, now it, it felt great. I mean, my my stress level, like I really didn't understand what it was like because I hadn't done it. And uh, sure. now I look at it and go, yeah, how was I managing five locations and taking call at two places? Right. And, right. Four kids. and the big eye opener. Yeah. The big eye opener was when my wife and my kids kept saying, you know, my, I, my daughter would say something and I try to be the disciplinary in the thing. And she's like, well, what are you talking about, dad? You're never home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To me, that was like, all right, things got to change. Things have to change. So you definitely free up more time and you got a little more time with your family now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now maybe, and I can actually get out, and maybe do some golfing and fishing that I haven't done in who knows how long. That, but I really enjoy it. But I don't. I don't. I never had time to do it. Yeah, let's talk about that too. Because again, <laughs> we live once. We all know right? we live once, and we're like our prime time of our career. Um, after we probably pass like 60, 70, I mean, like I mean, some people, yes, they still do exercise and all, but. Obviously, physical well-being might not be as good as right now, where we can really spend quality time for our kids, but also for ourselves, for the things that you love doing, like you just mentioned golf and fishing. I mean, the way it goes, if we don't do anything about it, time flies, we're in a one-way ticket, and once we past this 10 years, 15 years down the road, even if we, this, we regret, I mean, what can we do? Nothing, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm part of a, like another mastermind that does just like wealth and uh, building wealth and, and, and asset protection and things like that. And uh, the guy that, that started it, he's a, kind of a, I don't want to say financial planner. He's more just kind of a finance guy that became a fine, you know, uh, financial planner in a way. And he does it kind of, uh, differently. Um, but you know, he kind of mentioned, I believe it was him and, and, and hopefully it was, but he, he explained that we live life completely backwards. Like most people on their deathbed, when you ask them what was their greatest time in their life? And they said, it's when their kids were small. And when their kids are small is when we work the hardest. And when, when they're adults is when we finally get time to, to do something. And by then, those good times are gone. Yeah. Right? And that totally. is really how we do it. We, we, and, I, and I get you got to provide, but we really live life backwards. We really do. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you know, my kids, they're nine and six right now. And I can see this is prime time. They need daddy yeah. and they need mommy. 
attention, they're developing social skills and they're bonding with family. Yeah. Yet, I'm so happy whenever they need, they have their, their games and chess games and golf. Absolutely. Um, piano, whatever it is, I can be there, you know? Yeah. But yeah. if I didn't change my lifestyle like seven, seven years ago, it would, it would have been impossible. I would have still gone with like 40 patients a day that I used yeah. to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like today, um, I just had a small exostectomy of a toe, um, MIS in the office, office and, mm -hmm. uh, and a chylectomy. And the first case started at 1030 and the second case was at noon. So I took both my five and seven year old to school and it was like liquid gold to them. Like they were, they were, it made their day because I was home to take them to school. And, um, I mean, those are the, those are the things that you're going to, you know, your kids are going to remember, um, whether or not it's that specific incident or instant, uh, you know, activity or whatever you're doing with them, but they're going to remember the times that you spent with them. Right. You don't want them to remember the times you weren't, you were never there. Right. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's really my goal is to try to change that aspect. And, and your program really brought that to light that I'm like, I'm just, I'm doing things all wrong. And mm. so is everybody, right? That's, that's the yeah. thing. That's how, that's how medicine is. And we're taught to be guilty. Like you said, to feel guilty if we do it any other way. Right. Yeah. That's so, I see that huge, uh, that as a huge mindset block. You and I just know because we went through this transformation. Um, again, it doesn't have to be the way that we learned in school, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you accepted and you start implementing minimally invasive surgery, which makes it so easy to do it in the office setup. Um, yeah, yeah. It doesn't require a huge expensive hardware system. Patients love love us and love these surgical techniques that you and I, we both eyewitnessed and we see this every week. Yeah, you don't have to travel to hospital. You don't have to take calls. Yeah. I mean, those are the first step to, well, first step is to realize there's other way. You yeah, know? right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, even before I joined you, I think I, I think I either ordered your book or I watched a couple of your podcasts, maybe even a year before I contacted you and I said, ah, this will never work in Portland. And yeah, I remember. I just, <laughs> I just put it off to the side. <laughs> this yeah. will never work. Like, I get it. I get it. But it'll never work here. Um, and that's that's just wrong. I, I, you, I agree. You can make it work anywhere. Because when you provide something like, you know, like you teach in your mastermind, something that nobody else offers and you and you're good at it and people see the value of it, they will they will come to you for it. Yeah, you, you just start regardless now. if you're cash pay or insurance based, right? Regardless, regardless, regardless yeah. because even if we take insurance plan per se, they still have a ridiculous amount of deductible, you know, yeah. and coinsurance is like 20 percent, 30 percent. And patients know they have to pay out of pocket and they know if we take them to a hospital, their 30% coinsurance of whatever amount that hospital charges is like three, four grand and they, right. they're scared, you know? Yeah. So yeah. if we can like offer different skills that get them on their feet faster and then they don't have to go to hospital, they don't get ex additional bills. Right. They don't have to mingle with other people at the hospital level that worry about all this now, the you know, virus and all these things yeah. going on. Yeah, I saw um, an article here in Oregon. They're like telling people to mask up all over again for over these RSV things. And Oh, uh, really? Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we can't mask up for the rest of our lives. Right. Yeah, I don't know how much we should believe, you know, you see, yeah. now it's already, it's like, what, COVID what, you know, now yeah. we were in that fear mode, the whole world was in fear yeah. mode for two years, and now it's like, in, in, even in Illinois here, I mean, in Chicago, really, not many people wear masks, you know? Yeah, same here, it's same here, I just happened to see an article that there, that some, uh, you know, state officials are pushing for everything to mask back up, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and it's like, you know, people are saying, um, you know, I do it to protect myself and other people. Well, but it's like, and I can understand that. I'm not knocking that. It's, uh, 
are we just going to start masking up for prevention of everything? Like, make, it makes zero sense. It makes zero wow. sense. We can't live our lives uh, masking up and in fear of everything. We can't. What's the yeah. point? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, these, these stuff, I mean, you know, if anybody's listening to this, I mean, they, they should consider there is a way. So my first goal, whenever I create a live webinar or seminar talk, you know, live, my goal is like, hey, it's not they take my program. It's shift their mindset. Even yeah. one yeah. aspect of it, if I can help them shift their mindset, I'm like patting my own back. I'm like, TJ, you did a good job. If I yeah. hear yeah. other doctors come up to me or, you know, send me email or text me that TJ, you know, you, you changed how I think podiatry, then my goal achieved, you know? Yeah. So if, you know, if anything, like you said too, there are many other ways that provide you light at the end of the tunnel. You know, so if you sure. feel like, you know, if somebody listening to this or watching this feel like, man, I have like nowhere to go. You know, I feel like I'm stuck. You know, I feel like I'm just like inside a rat race um, trying to do the same thing over and over. But hey, guess what? If you don't change the way you run practice or live life and expect different results, you know, Einstein says that's the definition of insanity, you know? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, say, doing the same thing over and over and expect different results. And um, nobody's going to change those things for you. You've got to do it yourself. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you have to You have to really take action. So, um, cool, man. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about... Maybe I'll put you on the spot in a way, but... Sure. Um, <laughs> I know you had huge increase in revenue and profit margins increasing, and then we just celebrated sure. inside of our mastermind. Um, but what do you think, if you can maybe like narrow down to three to five things that made that possible, like what would have, would them, you know, what would they have been? I'd say probably number one would be virtual assistants. Hundred percent. Ah, yeah. And I say that uh, not because um, you know I, I, there, there's various reasons, but the big thing for me is um, I use them in my own practice. I have five virtual assistants um, that do anything from check-in patients to uh, just doing scribes, doing eligibility stuff like that, right? Um, and and I'm not looking necessarily for cheaper labor that's I don't, I don't care about that but they know how to get the work done i don't have to you know hound them to get it done i tell them to do something i mean depending on what it is five minutes later it's on my desk here's the here's the information doc here's everything you know um i give it to sometimes my my staff in my office and i hear back three days later right yeah um so there's efficiency with my vas but also getting a good uh, billing company. So the billing company I use also employs VAs. And so my, while I use a billing company, the person that really does my billing is a virtual assistant. And she what? is on top of every claim. She coordinates with me and my associate. Hey, this got denied. I think it's because of this or this. And can we add this? Can we do that? How can we fix this to try to get paid? And it's, uh, you know, I, I before that I had, two or three in-office billers. I've tried uh, two different other billing companies. That type of communication never happened. It never happened. So efficiency, uh, you know, I say VAs, um, that number one. Number two would just be efficiency in billing. And uh, I think number three, while you could throw MIS in there, I mean, I think it's more just um, realizing the value of what you can offer people. No matter whether that's MIS, whether that's cash pay ancillary services, doesn't matter. Just realizing the offer that you that you give people, you know, I, I carry, uh, you know, as most podiatrists do, your your over the counter orthotics, right, in your office, and 
you know, you buy them, you know, we all know that they're a good moneymaker because you buy them fairly cheap and you sell them for a decent price, right? And, uh, you know, I would sell them for $50, but then when every time a patient would get them, I'd say, oh, no, give it to them for 40 give it to them for 40 give it to them for 35 And, ah, uh, you, you can't do that. You can't do oh. that stuff. You can't. Um, and uh, you, you, you just have to feel comfortable um, talking to like, and you mentioned it earlier in the, in the podcast, you got to be comfortable talking to patients about money. It's $60. Yeah. You know, is there anything you can do with that? No. Nah, I mean, these are worth every penny of that $60. They're $60. Right. Yeah. Um, you offer a laser package or I did shockwave, right? Oh, you know, it's a hundred dollars of treatment. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you do it, I'll give it to you for 75. That is the wrong way to do business. Right. Uh, yeah, so as soon as we go for pricing voluntarily, we just commoditize ourselves. Yeah, and it's no yeah, you're just devaluing yourself, your services, and then patients will think now, okay, well, it was it wasn't wasn't that that easy, right? So like, yeah. okay, I'm just gonna keep discounting yep. all of these services. You know, I'm gonna so that's that's not the right way to run your practice. And that's why people come in trying to negotiate their care because we let them. Right? right, you can't go into the grocery store and negotiate the cost of your loaf of bread. You can't. Yeah. Well, so I just want to make sure. So let's not confuse by us having conviction in our value of treatment solutions. When we see the real need for certain patients, now that enables us to provide pro bono. You know, like someone who Absolutely. really deserves it. Right? We're Absolutely. giving people. You know, we're not just trying to receive here. We're just trying to receive what we deserve, you know? Correct. The other big, the other, you know, and you teach it in your mastermind. Again, I've learned it in my other uh, wealth mastermind is that, uh, you know, money is not the root of all evil. It takes money to help people. Yeah. I mean, if we don't have any money, how can we contribute? You know? Yeah. Right. You want to give somebody that really, really needs the help. Maybe they truly can't afford just that simple over the counter orthotic. You can't give it to them for 60 bucks if you're not making money. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's just something simple. But you can't help people unless you're making money. It takes money to help. It really does. Totally. So let's say so far your your one reason was virtual assistant. Second, you changed the billing company. Third, unique offer like minimally invasive surgery and ancillary yeah. services. Just, and just fourth, it. we should be able to charge what we deserve. Yeah. the value, Realizing and really recognizing the value of your services. Yeah, totally. And I think because, you know, again, not saying, you know, not going into too much detail, but since I've joined your mastermind from year to year, my revenue has doubled. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I set it really high, you know, just again, I'm not saying I'm the most efficient practice. I'm the best practice, but just to throw a number out there last year, um, I, you know, my gross, my gross collections was 1.3 million. And my goal this year is 2.5. Yeah. Let's make it happen. My friend. And even my associate looked at me and goes, wow, that's a pretty lofty goal. And I said, is it though? Is it? I still, you know, I, I think we can hit it. No problem. I actually, I'm not concerned about it. Yeah. Oh, man. So that's so, where, again, abundance mindset, you know, you set your value, you set your goal, aim high, and then we just keep firing at it, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and above it all, my, my, uh, my goals and my ambitions remain the same. Since I decided to go, when I was an undergrad, I went on a medical mission, and uh, I loved every minute of it. And my wife knows, my family knows that my ambition has always been to start some sort of a nonprofit, charitable, um, kind of medical mission. I want so badly, and that still remains my focus. It doesn't matter that I'm making whatever or I'm doing this. That's still at some point, I would love to get to a point where I could retire and just run a nonprofit type medical mission. That yeah. would that would complete my that would complete my 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 life. I would be good with that. So, you know, again, you can say I'm greedy for wanting 2.5 million. No, no, no. I want that so I can get to where I want to, where I want to be. Totally. I mean, I, I see this as totally achievable. 
And, you know, like you said, in order for us to create a charitable organization, in order for us to be able to provide and giving, we need resource, which is, you know, typically money. We have to have money yep. to give. And then yep. we need to have a time. You need to have, a, yep. you know, the time to do it. And then you need networking, you know, so that you can bring some other people who are willing to donate. I mean, this yep. requires time, resource, and networking. And if we're, like, stuck in this fourth volume-based model, there's no way. We're never going to no. – you cannot even support for our own family. I mean, how can right. we, you know? How are you going to care for other people if you can't care for your own family? Yeah, so you were right earlier. You said, you know, like, we all go backwards, and it's so true. So true, Yeah. Yeah, I so talked to I talked, I talked to an associate, uh, well, associate, uh, uh, a past um, schoolmate of mine in podiatry school, and uh, good friend of mine. Like uh, we hung out a lot in podiatry school. I haven't seen him in a few years, and uh, he told me he's finally leaving the job that he's been at for eight years and going somewhere else where he's going to do much better. And you know, I kind of said, you know, hey man, what 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 are you? How much are you making like right now? And he's like, I make the same amount I did when I first started this job. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, for eight years, you've been just, and, and I'm going to tell you, it's barely into the six figures, barely. Wow. And I'm like, for eight years, you did this. I'm like, you're, you're, you're undervalued in your practice. Yeah. He's not the only one. He's not the only one. No, he's not the only one. He's not the only one. I agree. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not like we're much better than others you know, as far as skill yeah. goes. Uh, most of us go through surgical residency and all equally capable. They just need to open their eyes and there are other ways to build and grow their practice. So that's what keeps me going, what I'm doing, yeah. you know, past five to seven years. You know, it's like yeah. awareness. Hey, guys. You don't have to live your podiatry, um, your career like that, you know? Yeah. Well, it was actually, so, you know, bring up another funny point. Um, I play uh, basketball a couple days a week, early in the morning, like 5 a.m. before I have cases with wow. some of my Arthrex, some of my Arthrex reps. Because okay. um, while I do minimally invasive, I still do some hardware stuff, right? Um, right. And uh, one of them made the comment about, uh, we were just talking and, talk, you know, he made a comment about what's called a, a TFP. And I go, what, what's a TFP? And he's like a total effing podiatrist. And, uh, I started laughing like what it was. And we started playing hoops and we played with these random guys and we got done cause we all, they needed to head to cases and I need to get to work. And, um, one of the guys comes up to us and says, Hey, we play every third, you know, Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 6am. And, uh, we kind of said, yeah, normally we're out of here by 615 cause we have to work. And uh, he said, well, it's, this guy said, well, it's Friday. Who, go, who goes in before 9 o'clock anymore? And uh, we, he, one of the reps made the comment. He's like, well, if you're a medical device rep or a TFP, then you got you to gotta go in sooner. And this guy goes, what's a TFP? And he told him it's a, it's a total effing uh, podiatrist. And he's like, who's a podiatrist? And I'm like, I am. He's like, man, you guys don't make crap. Oh, and I said, oh, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. Um, but you know, it goes back to what's the public perception of us. That's a are good we just, point too. We can, are talk we about just, it. yeah. You know, are we just toenail clippers? Yeah. Like what, are, what, what, what gives the perception, that perception to people? Probably because we're pushovers. pushovers. We feel like we have to prove something to everybody. Right. And we don't just, just be yourself. You don't got to prove anything to anybody. And make a freaking a lot of fucking money. That's yeah, what we need to do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I you mean, know, I say this to our mastermind members and, you know, close friends. I mean, when I came to United States, I thought, you know, being Asian and, you know, English as a second language, I thought my first goal was to become a doctor. So I thought yeah. like, okay, if I become a doctor, I'll be respected and probably, you know, yeah. different status quo or whatever, you know. When I became a podiatrist and I came out to real world, just like you said, you know, they, they no treat respect. us differently, even medical professions, right? 
So yeah. I, it made me think hard. You know, I, I felt social bullied, you know, by other professions in medical world. Yeah. And you know what I'm talking about, fucking yeah. politics and shit. But yeah. more I see it, I realize, okay, just become a doctor is not enough. I have no. to, I have to be successful in finance wise and money wise. Yeah. I have to not necessarily to prove to show off to other people, but I just wanted to see what, yeah. what made us feel like pushover and kind of subordinate and like feel weird about being podiatrist in front of other people. Yeah. Man, after I started becoming like making a lot more money than other specialists, and then they see how my lifestyle and how I convey messages to other people finally changed. Yeah. 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 I think that that's a lot to do with it, right? It's that perception of you guys don't make garbage compared to other doctors. So why should we respect you? Right. right? Um, Unfortunately, but that's the reality in, in you know, in real world. Yeah. It is. Once you yeah. start making like six figure, once you start hitting seven figure, I mean, not many medical professions make seven figure like you do, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's why these reps, they just like look down upon us and then yet they try yeah. to sell their fixation system to you every week, sure. you know? Yeah. Well, the reps are actually, they're good guys. They weren't, they weren't talking to me about a TFP. They're saying they were referring to some of the other podiatrists that, uh, uh, put themselves oh, okay. on a pedestal above other podiatrists. Oh, I see what you mean. Now. I'm, okay. Yeah, I'm really good friends with these guys, so they weren't calling me a TFP. They're talking about the the podiatrists that think they're on a whole nother level, uh, not by uh, not by a financial standpoint, but more of a, I'm ego? I'm just better than you. I'm like just ego, better than ego, you. ego, ego, ego. Yeah. yeah, that's what they're referring to, right? Um, so they joke around and they call me. You know, they don't really call me a TFP, but you know, that's yeah. that's what they're that's what they're referring to. Um, yeah, that's yeah, another thing. Uh, a lot of podiatry. Why we have this harsh, you know, kind of um, almost in a way violence with with words or like backstab each other among podiatry. I think really the root of that is ego, you know, that where's that ego it come is. from? You know, they're trying to be, trying to pretend to someone who they're not, you know? Yeah. So it's insecurities. Yeah. I mean, that's where it comes from. Insecurities. Any aspect. Yeah. insecurities. Um, there's enough people to go around. There's no, everybody has two feet. They've got 10 toes. There's plenty of work. There is no reason to put yourself on a pedestal above somebody else. And, it, yeah. and when I came out to Portland, um, you know, there's some podiatrists in here that helped me a lot to get, get started. But my main goal was I knew I was going to be the outsider. I didn't do the residency program that's here, you know, you know and, and typically we know residents hang around where they did their residency. Um, but I told my wife, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to make myself prove that I'm better than everybody else. I'm here to meet my goals and right. do what I want with my life. I that's don't care about well the other said. stuff. I love that. So I, I know you're like, you know, you set goals and you achieve goals and you set priorities, you yep. know, um, not to show we uh, show to someone else. It's really to, you said what, like meet your goals, achieve yep. your goals. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what my whole practice is based on. And I tell my associate that I tell my employees that when they complain about this and that, and I go, then change it, right? You're the only one that can change how things go. Don't let other people influence how you, you know, um, you know, a big thing in, in our family is when one of our kids or somebody says they were like offended at school. And we're like, we tell them that you're only offended because you chose to be offended, oh. right? Um, mm. you can't, you know, you chose to be offended. If you just brush it off and let it go, then it's gone. But when you choose to be offended, then you start to hold these grudges and, you know, you can be as egotistical, uh, podiatrist, uh, dentist, uh, family practice. I don't care. You're not going to offend me at all because I, I'm not here to prove anything. I think that's your Except secret. To myself. Yeah. I think that's your secret. We all need to learn also how to set that like a different perspective that your choice your choice not to be involved whoever the yeah. um, assailant yeah. or negative force coming at you 
you're like absorbing it like black like kind of a black hole right like yeah. don't let that bounce off of you up upon emotion but just like okay that you know you, you choose not to listen to it you choose right. to dissolve it that's awesome yeah i like that maybe um i you know that's the secret that you can handle stress you know you know de- dealing yeah my wife yeah. definitely gets more stressed out than I do, and my response is, I'm not worried about it because I just – it'll work itself out. At some point, it may that. be six months, it may be eight months, it'll work itself out. And, you know, it actually and, – and saying that brings me all the way back to where um, – when I was applying to podiatry school, uh, I, I had gotten in um, – I was actually originally looking at going into dental school, um, mm-hmm. but at the time, dental applications were like off the charts – um, and you had to have like a three, seven or a three, nine GPA. And I'm not going to lie. I worked full time during college. Um, none of my family's ever gone to college. So to, to say I was the valedictorian, you're wrong. I wasn't. Um, and I remember I got into podiatry school and we were, we went up, we put a deposit on a house in Cleveland cause I went to, uh, the Ohio school mm. and a week before, I get uh, a call from the dean of the school saying they rescinded my seat and I'm not going to be able to go to school. And they basically said, well, it's because of, you know, you know, they looked at it as like, you know, at the time they were accepting the DAT instead of the MCAT. And I'm like, well, why do I need to take the MCAT if I already took the DAT and I scored really well on it? Mm. Um, And they told me I didn't need to take the MCAT and they told me this and they're like, well, you didn't take the MCAT and you didn't do this. And, you know, to be honest, your grades are somewhat subpar and this and that. And I, and I looked, I told the lady on the phone, I said, I, I, I've worked really hard my whole life. Um, and I'm like, I don't care what my grades show, what you see, what's on there. I go, failing podiatry school is not an option. It's yeah. not going to happen, right? I can promise you right now that's never going to happen, right? And... uh you know, I took it upon myself. I emailed the dean of the school. I emailed like the AACPM over like college, you know, podiatry admissions. And, you know, the very next day I got a call from the actual dean of the school and he's like, we're giving you your seat back. Right. Um, and, uh, but it just kind of goes back to the same thing. For me, failure is not an option. Yeah, that's good. And I'm too. not going to let it be an option. I will find a way to figure it out. And that's my wife's favorite saying is everything is figure outable. Uh, I agree 100%. You know, my even my kids, when they give up on some kind of problem they're facing, and then that's always I say to them, hey, if there's a problem, there's a solution, you know? Yeah, absolutely. When I came, yeah, when I came here, again, with very little English, I mean, how can TJ survive in America when I was already 19 years old? And I, don't, I didn't have any family with me. I came straight to Tennessee. And I just ran into a lot of, you know, the culture problem, language problem, but then all worked out, you know, like yeah. as long as I know there's a solution for everything, you yeah. know? I mean, you did it the right way, right? You, you, you need to figure something out, get thrown in with the wolves and be a wolf, yeah. right? Get thrown right into it and figure it out. Don't tiptoe around the outside, go right to the heart of it and figure it out. Yeah, so after I look back, that was the right decision. But then, yeah. you know, I would probably do it again. You know, it was uh, it was a hell of a ride. And I, yeah. I don't regret <laughs> any part of it. Sure. That made me who I am. And I'm, that still formed me so that when we see these problems, you know, I don't give up that easily. You know, like, yeah, like, yeah really, I, I cannot remember any time I give up on something. You know, once I make a mind to it and there's always a way to fix it and i think like millennials and younger generation um they tend to give up a little bit too quickly you know yeah yeah like try to find the easy easy way or by giving it up and then but come on you know you went to school for it and you know you did a hard residency program and then again we all deserve we don't deserve five hundred dollars for bunny, and we don't deserve hundred twenty dollars no, for go amputation, like you said. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. So, no, so no, a, lot of, a, a lot of yeah, colleagues have that, a debt still, student yeah. debt. You know, 
It's just a slap in the face, right? What other profession besides medicine is as highly regulated, you know, as we are? I mean, the government has laws in place to, in, to prohibit us from making our full potential. Correct. So I, so like I try to fight for it, appeal it, you know, deny it, appeal it. Then you get audited, you know, like, yeah. like kind of like almost like a scolding on your ass, right? Hey, yeah. don't, don't try to resist me. You know, listen yeah. to me, yeah. behave, <laughs> behave, be a good podiatrist, listen yeah. to us, then you'll be fine. Right. Yeah. So my choice was, again, I decide just not to play with that. You know, yeah. I just try. I just decided to go on my own, opting out yeah. and then no contract between me and them. So nobody can really tell me, hey, you signed the contract. You got to follow yeah. the rules and regulations you signed right. up for. I don't have a contract, you know, so right. that freed me up so that we can set our own pricing table, own fee schedule own concierge program that patients who are so happy with, you know, and then provide the best solutions, you know? Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I agree. I think, uh, when you, when you take out the influence of insurance, you really are able to offer patients the best care. Yeah, man. I just want you to touch a little bit on that virtual assistant part that, yeah. I mean, I still can even if you are in my mastermind, you you know you went that far with the virtual assistant that your front office is now replaced by virtual assistant. So can you tell yeah. me a little bit about it? That's that's yeah. still crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the biggest issue was um, during COVID, um, as we all know, uh, nobody wanted to work, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when the government's giving you uh, money. Uh, because of COVID, uh, people just didn't want to work. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to necessarily point fingers at the government, but people just didn't want to work. And uh, we would hire somebody, train them, and two weeks they'd quit. Hire somebody, train them, two months they'd quit. It just got it got old. It really did. And so we're like, all right, I've got these, these uh, two virtual assistants at the time. They do this and that. And I'm like, what if we just buy an extra computer screen? create a dual screen, put it up on the uh, uh, check-in counter, flip it around, open the camera, face the patient, uh, put them on a Zoom call uh, uh, so that they're front on the screen, uh, so they can see the front door. Patient walks in. Uh, first couple times, it scares the patient when the <laughs> VA goes, uh, hello, ma'am, how can I help you? Uh, <laughs> From the computer uh, or, screen. Or we'd, have to, yeah, or we'd have to remind them, you know, hey, you can check out with the... Uh, the guy on the computer screen on your way out and but that's how we did it and patients resisted at first right. but then they'd come in and like one of our, one of my virtual assistants name is kevin they'd come in and say oh hey kevin how's it going yeah so and so i'm here for my 11 15. Oh, uh, wow. and it worked it worked great it's not perfect but uh it got us it got us through those 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 times where we couldn't get anybody up front Right. And and I think that there's uh, there's something to say with having a warm body in your office. Um, sure. It's definitely has a more personal touch and uh, uh, people like to, you know, the, the friendly interaction of uh, somebody actually sitting there. But uh, it, it was a great option for us at the time. And it got us through that uh, uh, those personnel struggles. Uh, we're starting now to get better uh, people in our offices. So we're scaling a little bit back from that virtual check-in type thing, but it's something we can always fall back on if somebody calls in sick, right? Just sure, sure. put the That's screen in, flip it around, and put our VA on the screen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I made some predictions for podiatry for 2023, and then <clears throat> one being minimally invasive surgery and office-based surgery will be more in demand. And yeah. two, uh, increase of virtual assistance and remote team culture yeah. will be more norm um, in, in 2023. And then another one is like those uh, artificial intelligence I just shared with our mastermind sure. member. Artificial intelligence is super hot right now. And I believe if podiatry and other medical professions can capture that ride and 
um, like embrace it and implement that into medical marketing, it will save uh, so much resource and time and, you know, payrolls and whatnot. Oh, and yeah, yeah we'll, we'll develop. I'm going to see. I would, definitely, that's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, I've been using that uh, that AI to just, I'll go in there and say, write me a poem about bunions. And it busts it out. And I just copy <laughs> that. I just copy that. And I put it in my Instagram. Exactly. Boom, boom. And there's my social media post for the day. It took me about two minutes. Beautiful. Yeah, right. I mean, now so, I let the AI create outlines for my YouTube video script. Yep. I, AI create my email newsletter and then convert it into shorter form for social media posts, Instagram. I mean, it's yep. amazing. Yeah. And I think it's going to be hot. Yeah. It will. It will. My 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 associate uh, sent me a an email, I think yesterday, and he's like, Here's three blogs for the for the for the website. It took me about five minutes to do. I use this awesome thing called Chat GPT, and I'm like, oh yeah, I already know all about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just made a YouTube so, video. It'll be available pretty soon for public. Um, how we use Chat GPT for medical marketing. Yeah, yeah so I want you to great. watch that. Definitely a good cool, tool. man. Hey, so it's been so fun. But are you going to be there in our March Mastermind meeting in LA? Uh, yeah, I was trying to look for details on it. I know you have it on the calendar, but I'm planning on being there, yes. Cool. Yeah, this is first time we're going to host in West Coast, so it's not going to be too far for your trip. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah I'll have to get with you, and uh, I don't know if you have all the details of where it's going to be at and, and, and that sort of stuff, because I haven't seen anything on that, but I'll definitely right. be there. Details coming up, because I'm in the okay. negotiation stage of a few hotels. Gotcha. It'll be yep. right south of uh, LAX, like five minute drive and then I'm trying to pick one or one or the other hotel near Manhattan Beach. So it's um, not oh, in the nice. middle of LA downtown. Yeah. It's so uh, supposedly I've been to one beach above that beach, but supposedly like beautiful area, fun, yeah. you know, activities. So, you know, we're planning on having nice um, in-person mastermind meeting there. Yeah, when I heard it was going to be in California, I told my wife, I'm like, let's go down there and let's take the kids and we'll go for a few days, a couple days for the meeting. And then let's just catch a little uh, three-day, four-night cruise out of Southern California down to uh, Baja, Mexico and take the week off and uh, then come back when we're done. So we're looking at maybe, yeah, we're looking at maybe doing something like that. So Yeah, I mean, we're right at the beach and we're already talking to other members we might just gather up and play round of golf like day yeah, before. Yeah, that, that'd be fun. Yeah, man. I'll, I'd love to get out there and lose a, a dozen golf balls. It'll be fun. Yeah, to the ocean, <laughs> Pacific Ocean, yeah, donated right. to fish. And I'll fish them up. <laughs> right, there you go. Yeah, hey, man. So, again, I'm so, um, you know, grateful that you're, you're in our group and helping many other members together. And... I, I'm just so excited to see you grow your business side and, you know, uh, your personal level and your family is doing great and yeah. just creating awesome example of being podiatry doesn't have to be what we are facing. Majority of it are facing, you know, so yeah. that's my goal for this show. I want to bring out, you know, some cool people, interesting colleagues that you know run their practice different way and you're definitely yeah. one of them and i'm so happy to bring you out here chat hang out awesome any, any other last comment you want to make? No, i'm just gonna say no thanks thanks for having me um i mean i can honestly say that uh you know that you know the part of the reason when you sent the you sent this invitation out for people to do it i jumped on it because uh you know i feel like i do have somewhat a little bit of a unique story um but uh i really want to just come out and you know, talk, you know, chit chat and, and really, uh, thank you for how your, your mastermind and your, uh, just the, the meetings and the things that we have has really changed the way I, I, I practice. Um, oh, that's I think, I, I really think, um, without finding your practice, I'm, or your mastermind, I'm not so sure I'm still in podiatry. And I mean that seriously when wow. I had my, yeah. Yeah, when I had my bad associate, I, I I I told my wife I've got to find something different. I'm done with podiatry. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, guy so, like you who don't who don't like to give up. You know, if you were about to give no, up, then that means like, yeah, you were I ready. ready. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, again, I mean, I, I don't know any of you guys possibly listening or watching this. Um, you know, if you feel like you are stuck, you know, again, don't feel like it. You know, there is definitely a way that we can solve together. And if you ever feel like you need help, you know, look at the um, description below of this video or podcast and then just reach out to us and, you know, we'll see what we can do, you know? Yeah, TJ, feel free to give people, feel free to give people my information. I'm always, you know, I've got a lot of of good friends that have gone into private practice that call me nonstop about how, how I did this, how I did that. And again, I don't, I don't claim to be perfect at it, but I'm always willing to, to give advice. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of mastermind, right? To harm, yeah. like, you know, people gather together with like-minded people, you know, we yeah. have uh, similar goals and then we achieve together in a harmonious mindset, you know, and brainstorming. I mean, that's what the mastermind is about. And, yeah. you know, that's what I think we're doing. Majority of us reaching seven figure and less headache, you know, that's like makes me so happy to see yeah. like colleagues reach to you know close to full potential you know yeah yep. awesome yep. man yeah I, I just i just want to say thank you again and then yep. let's hang out thank again you. you know i'll see you one of the zoom calls or i'll see you in person in march yeah sounds good thanks tj All right, brother. take it easy say You've been listening to the Podiatry Profits Podcast with Dr. TJ Ahn. To find out more about Dr. TJ Ahn or discover how you can grow your podiatry practice, visit drtjahn.com. Or you can also get a free copy of Dr. Ahn's best-selling book, Opt Out, How to Take Back Financial Control of Your Private Clinical Practice Without the Hassle of Insurance Companies. Just go to optoutbook.com.